Welcome to the podcast of MotorWeek, television's original automotive magazine. MotorWeek is made possible by TireRack.com, RockAuto.com, State Farm, and WeatherTech. Here's your MotorWeek podcast host, John Davis. Thank you, Alec Webb. Welcome, everyone, to MotorWeek podcast number 164. And around our, I never could figure out what shape this table was, sort of U-shaped, keystone, there you go, keystone-shaped table here in Studio C at MotorWeek World Headquarters in Owings Mills, Maryland, is Dave Scribner, our executive producer and head writer. Dave, glad to have you with us. Our road test producer, Ben Davis. Caffeinated and ready to rock. Our online content coordinator, Greg Carlos. Hey, hey. And Joe Ligo, our video producer and our editor, and basically he's also the guy that has the bell today. Joe, welcome. Glad to be here. Okay, we've got a, a trio of vehicles. We'll talk a little bit about um, our season uh, 36 just ending. So let's start with basically one of the rarest cars, I think we've uh, new cars we've ever tested here. The 2017 Lamborghini Centenario, uh, a very limited edition Lamborghini. It's going to be featured on show 3701, which debuts in September. Dave Scrivener, why don't you tell us a little about the car, and you drove it, and what was it like? Well, I drove it for 38 miles total. Right. Very limited time with the car. Um, Why? Why so few miles? It's already sold. It's in a museum Some very generous uh, owner let us borrow it for a few days and a couple of miles, and um, like any Aventador, it was certainly, you know, very rapid. Uh, I got into it once or twice for the camera, uh, mostly trying to not scratch the car. A little nervous about driving it, period, but I don't get the... $2.3 $2.3 million price tag. But tell us about the, a little bit about what makes the car so special. Well, how the carbon fiber made. bodywork, they only made 20 coupes and 20 roadsters. Right. This is one of the first uh, coupes in the country, I believe. What do they call it? They're limited. There's a word they have for And that this. I don't know. They're, it's the, the, the rarest or, one-offs, the yeah. rarest uh, Very Lamborghinis. Very limited run. It was designed for yeah. um, the 100th anniversary of, of um, Lamborghini's birth. Birth, Ferruccio right. Lamborghini's birth. Yeah. So the man, a, not, not the, the company. The man, not the yeah. company. So had he lived to see it, he might have appreciated the, uh, the radical styling and the uh, performance behind it, and I certainly did. Did you find it drove anything differently than the car it's based on? Um, the four-wheel steering made a little bit of a difference in some of the corners. Um, high speed, and really need to notice it, so I didn't get into it that much. Yeah. But it's there, and I say it's great. I didn't experience it that much. But I, I wish them luck. I know the, uh, the owners are, are hoping that somebody will basically come and just – Make their investment worthwhile, shall yeah, we say. Yeah, on motor, it's worth 20 more bucks now, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> At least 25. <laughs> the uh, Lamborghini Centenario, everybody else had a chance to crawl through it. Any impressions? I like the way that, uh, to me, it reminded me of the 60s uh, Batmobile, how everything it was kind of highlighted in, in red. Especially like the, the black rear. And red, yeah. yeah, the rear yeah. was definitely unique. Um, a lot of the uniqueness to me was lost in a lot of other angles, mm-hmm. but... It did look awesome from the back, and you know, overall, it is a ton of money, and I was hoping that if you're going to make a car worth that much money and that limitedly rare, that it would look entirely like something onto itself, like mm-hmm. Ferrari has done in the past. And, but, uh, yeah, it's a lot of money for that car. Yeah. 
But in this day and age, for something that rare, uh, obviously it's not out of kilter, or they wouldn't have sold out. It's sold well, out. There's right? always a, there's a butt for your seat, as they say. Yeah, ego goes a long way in what you buy. Amen we were very, very, we were very fortunate to have a chance to get uh, get the car here. For Greg, sure, any yeah. impression? Uh, yeah, I mean, at first glance, it's definitely striking. Um, the problem with us is, is I think we kind of overanalyze it. Ben and I were right. out there doing when we were doing stand-ups, just. Really, I mean, over, over analyzing it. And that's where the problem comes because you're like, well, it's an Inventador and there's a few extra angles here and there and things like that. Um, so it's, I mean, you can't really listen to us and we talk about it that so way. So we're jaded. Really right? Exactly. Very we, jaded. Have, we have been very, very fortunate <laughs> yeah. to drive a lot of Lamborghinis right. and look at a lot of Lamborghinis. So um, I'm not, I don't want to take anything away from the car because it really, it, it's, it's a special car for sure. But I just wouldn't. I'm not going to put it on that pedestal that most other people probably I have to tell will. you, our building pretty much emptied out when it rolled up. Yeah, yeah. Joe, any comment? Uh, I'm going to nerd out here for a second and say that the, the footage we got of it is awesome. It's a, it's a car that loves the camera, and the camera loves it. And we kind of went all out yeah. with the different slider shots we got and the driving shots <laughs> and the GoPro shots. I mean, the, the road test itself, when the video goes up, I think it's going to be one of the greatest yeah, road tests we've ever put together. Probably one of the most nerve-wracking camera setups because, I mean, you're moving – not only are you moving your expensive equipment around, but you're moving your expensive equipment around a car that costs more than all of all your the houses, equipment. all of our houses combined. <laughs> right, yeah, right. Definitely. Yeah, you know, once you I mean, go to move a tripod and accidentally graze it. Don't even know. want to put a suction cup mount on it. It inspired our A-plus game all around from everyone, for sure. And you'll see the results of our uh, Lamborghini uh, Centenario test on show 3701, which should be debuting uh, around the 8th and 9th of September on public TV stations everywhere and about 10 days later on Velocity. Thanks, guys. Oh, yeah. Let's move on now to something incredibly more practical. Uh, we basically have just had in the uh, new Honda Odyssey. Uh, we knew that this year was going to be something we haven't had in a long time, which is okay. We've got a couple of new minivans to talk about, meaning the Odyssey. And last year, obviously, we had uh, the new Pacifica from Chrysler. Uh, who wants to weigh in first on the Odyssey? It doesn't look particularly different. It's obviously uh, new and, and improved in a lot of areas. What do you think? I haven't driven it. <laughs> I, I drove it a fair amount, and uh, I like it a lot. I thought I really liked the Pacifica, and then I got into the Odyssey, and then I'm reminded why the Odyssey sells so well because mm. it's really put together nicely. And uh, I'm always skeptical about – a high number or high gear number transmission that says the 10 speed, right. but I was super impressed with it, it. It was very smooth. I've probably driven the Pacifica that we have here for as our long term more than anybody else, and I love the vehicle. I, I still maintain that if I was buying a minivan, if it doesn't have uh, fold and into the floor second row seats, it's not a, a it's a it doesn't appeal to me, but. I'm not normal. The more, everybody knows that, right? Let me isolate that audio. Let me see if you agree with this. My impression is that most people that buy these vehicles don't necessarily ever take the second row seats out. Yeah, so I mean, so I that that for therefore the new slide feature on the Odyssey is very appealing. And you talk about that. Go ahead, Ben. Yeah, I mean I'm in that camp where stow and go is awesome, but I don't think it would be uh, a feature that would. Uh, be my decisive uh, uh, purchasing 
Uh, and you have a family with children. Yeah. For, right. I mean, for the one or two times that I might take the second row out, I can just muscle it out. Okay. But I directly compared the Odyssey and the Pacifica feverishly over the last mm-hmm. few days. Um, and the thing about the Odyssey is that it drives more like a car than the Pacifica. Uh, mm-hmm. I believe that the, the, the engines are similar, the power output is similar, but the, the, trans, the transaxle or the differential, whatever they're using in the uh, Odyssey, handles power and traction a lot better than the Pacifica. The, um, especially in wet weather, the Odyssey yeah, takes, I, I takes the cake I just noticed there. that. The <clears throat> other day I had the Pacifica at a stoplight, and I'm mm-hmm. like not trying to go fast, and I still felt a little bit of like slip and slide. And try it in the wet sometime. The steering is much more civilized in the Odyssey, too. The Pacifica seems to be a little heavy at times, which can translate to uh, a rough highway kind of jerking you around a little bit um and it's hit or miss inside there's a feature a lot of features i like about the odyssey inside and there's a lot of features i like about the pacifica inside some more than others um to me i'd have to cross pollinate and build a frankenstein minivan Mm -hmm. you know i i think i can sum up what you're saying uh, even more concisely and simply say i felt like the odyssey was driving a true luxury vehicle it had that level of refinement and finesse. I like the Pacifica. I'm a huge Pacifica fi- fan. But when you look at overall sophistication and just how it responds and what it makes you, it's so quiet on the inside that I really think that Honda has pushed the bar up. Yeah, I think you nailed it there. Um, yeah. If we could pick on one thing, Ben and I, again, as we overanalyze cars and look at them for a long time, longer than any human should, um, we noticed that there's that floating roof line, which is on every single car essentially right. now these days, every SUV van. This one might be one of the worst. Uh, oh, the Odyssey's uh, yeah, floating roof line. Is of it. I mean, it just looks like they said, oh, we, we got to have that. Yeah, we yeah. have to do this. So quickly paint that V pillar. That, <laughs> yeah. that, it was uh, not – it's not I, I like the the Pacifica styling a little bit better. Well, actually, a, I do too. a lot better. I think it's a lot more attractive. Um, I think that's a very very good but point. But I, th- I think the thing is here is, in my opinion, it has never been a better time to buy a minivan because they've done so much to stand out from crossovers. I just I, if I was shopping a Pilot and, a, and an Odyssey, I feel like you just get so much more with the Odyssey. I mean, sure, you get the ground clearance and all wheel drive in a, in a Pilot, but all the other like gimmicky features and stuff the the intercom system and the screens and the headphones and the bluetooth and the all the other little kid gadgets for the the backseat riders i mean if you're the kind of person who really likes that stuff you can't get that on suvs except the one thing that you can get on the suvs that there's only one minivan that offers it and that's toyota and that is some form of all-wheel drive and i just had the pacifica up in Vermont on some very rough, muddy roads. It got me where I was going, but it didn't like it. You know, it was a sure, little too yeah. low to the ground, so that's something to consider, which is a good segue into it, the third vehicle we're uh-huh. going to talk about, which is the 2018 Chevrolet Traverse. This is the longest wheelbase of the three um, almost full-size crossovers that GM's got to build this year, being the GMC Acadia, the uh, new Buick Enclave, and the Traverse. Dave Scrivener, who has a substantial family at home, just came back from driving the new Traverse with his family in tow. Want to tell us about it? Well, Chevrolet had a pretty unique um, press trip for this. They've had this Find New Roads campaign going for our, our previous trips, and they invited us to come up with uh, five of my kids. Went to Michigan, 
pick it up in Detroit and had a half-day immersion with the car at, the, at their eastern market. They rented the place. And we talked about the styling of it and the interior cargo capacity and things like that. They had activities for the kids to pack the car with all the groceries you could fit into it and things like that. Then we drove it to Grand Rapids for the weekend and back and had a pretty good experience with that. Um, they've really gone with the um, family-friendly features, you know, as far as you can go with an SUV as opposed to a minivan with some of the gimmick stuff. But the, uh, the tilt slide for the second row, it can tilt and slide with, with a coddle seat installed in it. Oh, really? Oh, that's well, pretty cool. Buckle it. If it's got right. lat- latched in, it'll, it'll slide with the car seat. I thought it was pretty cool. Just don't leave the kid in the seat. No, ki- no kid installed in the seat. But <laughs> And um, what I thought was they had a demo demonstration for the kids. They had a thermometer in the car and showed how leaving kids unattended in the rear seat or pets is dangerous. And they had it was 86 degrees outside and 134 in the car. They hmm. have carried over Chevrolet's uh, rear seat reminder chime right. to look in the back seat. If the door's been opened recently, make sure there's no one left behind, a kid or a pet. Because it's, you know, Dan, I've certainly done it myself. I've got to say, that actually works. It when does, we first heard about around. that, I thought that's we thought kind it was of a weird. But yeah, when yeah. it does go off, I do look in the back, even it's though I don't have It's a preventable accident. It's easy to, to overlook that. Which is I might forget an ice cream cake in the back. Who knows? But it has Ooh. great features, a pretty good power on <laughs> the V6 engine, and um, the styling is much more sleek than it had been before, a little upscale look to it, I thought. It's Especially a bit lighter. The, Did you notice any difference in the driving aspect? It's bigger, but yet lighter than the it old It was smooth. One. I didn't notice the lightness to it. So much didn't feel ungainly in the corners. Certainly, mm-hmm. it was a nice highway cruiser. Uh, uh, it it, uh, nice it is, I guess, I think it's the largest non or the largest basically crossover you can buy because it's larger than even the new Atlas from. They expect to have best in class third row legroom, cargo capacity, yeah. and passenger volume, which so, wasn't bad before. So it's kind of like the largest unibody front drive. Three row mm-hmm. out utility. There. Yeah, utility. I'm grudgingly starting to call them SUVs instead of crossovers because everyone else is. But uh, you're holding back on that. Yeah, well, kind of you know, just area. to me, an SUV is still something that's capable off road, and these crossovers are this basically not. It's a family hauler. It's a family hauler, not a boat hauler. Yeah, <laughs> and, and it does have. You said the weird thing is the base engine is the 3.6 liter V6, but then in RS trim only, you can get a turbo four, right? So their new sporty trim along with the high country trim, Did, which is ultra luxurious. Which sort of doesn't make sense, but. I drove the V6 only. Yeah. Uh, in perspective, uh, it's larger than the Acadia. Uh, the Acadia, the GMC Acadia, has been to go head to head with things like the Pilot. And it'll be a the new Buick Enclave is on the same wheelbase as the uh, Chevy, so it'll be about the same size. Hmm. Uh, Dave, while you're here, since we don't get the pleasure of your company that offer that much, that. we're heading into season 37. Uh, Goss's Garage, obviously, we have taped those. We do those in block production in the yeah. summer. Any new uh, subjects that we uh, are looking at with uh, Pat this year that you want well, to share with us? Can you remember a theme of? of not do it yourself, but know it yourself. And the questions to ask when you go to a dealership or a repair shop to get fixed with a car. Um, we're trying to get some classic cars back in the mix. We've got a, a Jeep Wagoneer being restored. There's a couple of segments worth of that. Um, some basic um, niggly problems that people encounter all the time and how to, like, death wobble with the suspension bushings all worn out and how to diagnose that and how dangerous it can be. Um, Pat also uh, did some looked ahead as to in the trends like autonomous uh, vehicles. Some of the maintenance needed for some of that stuff. You get ice cake on some of the sensors, yeah. or you know, even smokers who fog up the cameras inside the car. 
can affect how the systems work. So, what like a basic, Subaru eyesight thing? If there's like a dust or film, you on get the film on the windshield from, from smokers yeah. or heavy, you know, whatever. They don't work and don't work. The cameras can't see out. A lot of people ask, uh, have asked me over the years, does Pat really know what he's talking about, or is he just some talent for TV? No, what he, he told me one time, he he had he used to have seventy periodicals, or now is I it more than it. that? Some enormous number of magazines he reads. Every he month. reads every morning, like from five for, to yeah, seven, or five something. Five to seven. He knows his stuff. <laughs> he knows. His and he stuff. walks the shop Absolutely. floor with his guys constantly and sees day to day problems yeah. as they develop and trends, notices them. So I think he's. Got it covered pretty well. I think he's been one of our our crowning jewels for 36 years. Coming up going on 37. Okay, let's move on now to our lightning round. Two minutes where we'll debate a trending automotive topic. When time is up, Joe Ligo will head for the bell. Motor Week Season 36 coming to a close. What vehicle or vehicles from the past year were your favorite? And anything that you know we're getting for Season 37 you're looking forward to. Ben, I'm going to turn to you first because... That seems to be – that's where your heart is. I'll keep it quick. Uh, my favorite car this last year was our long-term Passat by a long stretch. Mm. Um, you did love that. Which I was just plain vanilla. I know. I just loved I'm, it. I'm it just ben. felt great. Very I, I useful car. It. I just felt it. great. And I'm most looking forward to maybe, hopefully, a mid-cycle refresh on the GTI this year, hopefully. Oh, cool. Just All of Volkswagen. Volkswagen. Greg? Oh, man. Um, I have a whole list here. Uh, the top of the line was probably the 911 GT3. Just the uh, Personally, the trip was incredible, driving on a track in Spain. And then professionally, I mean, we really had a lot, got a lot of work done and shot a road test in a day, which doesn't happen very often. So uh, that was fun. And then for some reason, I can't get the Corvette Grand Sport out of my mind just for the sole fact of how much better on the track it was than I thought it was going to be. So I'm going to throw a shout-out to that one. Dave? Of our test cars, I really enjoyed the uh, Camaro ZL when we had it Roebling in January. It's just such a – I'd buy that over a Corvette, truthfully. Mm-hmm. And uh, I also knocked off a bucket list this year, and I drove the uh, Porsche 959 yeah. last season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Always yeah. admired that car and got behind the wheel a little bit compared to the new 911. I think <laughs> I drove it like six feet to reposition it. It's <laughs> <laughs> pretty cool. I got on the racetrack up to about 130 or so. It's, uh, it's just a, a time machine. Yeah, it's great. You're a great man. It's great. On old tires, yeah. <laughs> Joe, how about you? Uh, what I'm looking forward to most in the new season is, I, I guess, the the Tesla Model 3, but then also all the other cars that are supposedly going to come out of the woodwork to compete with it. The new Leaf and Ford supposedly has something in the works and, and on and on to really see, like, is the electric car really going to happen or is this – you know what's what's going to go on with that and then in the previous season you can all laugh at me because i'm an old man at heart but i really liked the new lincoln continental i well it surprised laugh. all of us it was a far better car than i think anyone expected it just it was nice to see when everyone's going to numbers and letters for car names to see an old nameplate resurrected and executed pretty well it was very well was uh, yeah. was a, a highlight for me That's a good one. Uh, I'm kind of split. I think the two cars that I enjoyed after hearing so much about them uh, the most this last year, one was the Chevy Bolt EV because it had basically been in the wind for so long. And I'm I'm very much a new technology guy. But on the other hand, the car that I think I'm salivating over was the Aston Martin DB11. Both of those just spectacular cars. My curiosity is up about the Dodge Demon. I mean, uh, you know, it'll when we get it actually on our own track, I think I, I will have my curiosity cured 
any car that can be that much of a throwback and get that much attention uh, before it even basically they sell the first one, that's pretty amazing. It's, so pretty, it's a one-trick pony, though. I it's a one-trick pony. Uh, the track hawk Jeep. More my speed. Yeah. Well, the new Trailhawk. <laughs> oh, I got that one going. The Trailhawk, yeah. uh, which uh, you know basically track looks track like hawk, yeah. Trackhawk, rather, which will be um, well, basically it's a demon. A Hellcat a Jeep. Jeep. Yeah, Hellcat Jeep. Yeah, hmm. it's a sign me up. Fascinating stuff. I agree with you. I want to see it in the flesh before yeah. I pass judgment on it. But we're over time. Okay, so we're going to move on to Enrique. Enrique, he's got on a recent episode. He said, Goss said, tune-ups don't really exist anymore. Why is that? I have a 98 Nissan Pathfinder. I called a couple of shops for a tune-up, and they quoted me between $500 and $600, which totally shocked me. My Pathfinder gets terrible gas mileage. I don't want to get rid of it. If tune-ups don't exist, then what can I do to improve my MPG? Well, what Pat was talking about, and Dave, correct me if I'm wrong, was the traditional tune-up, which was plugs and condenser and rotor and, you know, things inside of distributors. And, you know, most of those things aren't there anymore. Plug wires. I did look up, however, a tune-up kit for his Pathfinder. And, indeed, they're out there. And they run about two fifty to three fifty on Amazon, or even over at uh, Rock Auto, they have all the parts too. And what you're getting is plug wires, uh, all the filters, and, and I think this this vehicle even still does have a distributor cap. Um, so things that actually kind of even went beyond what we used to talk about a tune-up. But I have to admit. Five to seven hundred bucks, that's a lot of money. So if you've got those well, kind of problems safe labor in that regard. He needs to have somebody put it on a good analyzer and figure out why it's not running efficient. You know, you it also could just be drive the, the car cars. gently and yeah. keep the tires inflated, yeah. keep the junk out of the trunk. There's a bunch of common I mean, how, you what can kind do. of mileage is a ninety eight Pathfinder gonna get anyways? Yeah, I mean, kind of behind the eight ball anyway. I was gonna say that. it's not like a Prius or anything. Mm-hmm. It probably know? only I mean, did sixteen truck. or seventeen when it was new. Yeah, but I always I always thought tune up you know, I'm fairly young. I always thought tune ups were like you said, points, plug wires, tinker with the carburetor. All stuff that's controlled by a computer. Now, Once again, I mean, Joe's even, an old man because no car is a carburetor anymore. Right, right, no right. Points. Well, that's what I was, was going to say. Like, <laughs> but even when you were growing up, that was the case. That's yeah, you're not that old, Joe. What are you talking about? <laughs> right. The you know the the average spark plugs in a in a vehicle today last a hundred thousand miles, and even in this '98 Pathfinder, I bet they had platinum plugs in those things or something that probably sure. lasts a long time. I just took plugs out of my wife's Jeep at yeah. 125, and one of them was pretty gnarly looking. Yeah. Now. So yeah, yeah. but uh, don't forget to do that. For sure. So, Enrique, I think our advice is go get someone that knows what they're talking about, maybe a different technician than the one you were talking to, to analyze the vehicle, spend some money on that, and find out what it needs. It may well need $600 worth of work, but I don't think I'd spend that without knowing a whole lot more than, than uh, just Diagnose a, a the problem. Diagnose we'll, we'll, the we'll problem. Will it solve the problem for that money? Don't yeah, ask for a tune-up. Go in and ask for a, 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 a diagnostic test to see how the vehicle's performance can be improved. Tune-up says take me for a ride, please. Yeah, right, yeah, know. that was something that pat pat said was in that the episode where he says the thing about the tune-ups he says don't go in at telling the person what you want fixed tell them what the symptoms are and then they can diagnose they can, it. Yeah, poor gas mileage didn't yeah. say if it was running rough so it might be running hmm. fine okay um rant and rave section anything sticking in anyone's uh craw these days that you want to complain about hmm. i'll start 
Uh-oh. It's not a big here? thing, but I've been searching Excellent. online for uh, a used car, which I'm just at this point still looking. And so uh, the last time I bought a used car online, I was able to go on, talk to somebody, you know, communicate with somebody at a dealership, do my bargaining online. And basically when I showed up, I drove it, I gave him the check and drove home. It was easy. I don't know what's changed. Maybe you can tell me. But so far, when I've tried to do that this time, no one wants to deal online. They want you to come see them face-to-face before they will even talk to you. And they're all acting like, oh, well, that's the price. Well, everybody knows that, especially when it comes to used cars, it's, it's all about making the deal. What's going on out there? Is it I, people have abused have this? And I, I think that – as online car shopping has become more and more popular. It's like over a third of all cars yeah. are sold online I think now. dealerships probably get a lot of online tire kickers. Right. And they just don't want to waste time. And probably what the sales guy is probably thinking is, if he's not willing to walk down, you know, come down here, I'm not going to even bother talking to Except car. that so many of the cars now you're going long distance for. You know, it could uh, be true. 200 yeah, I mean, miles away. I drove to Jersey to look for a car right. this summer and didn't buy it, but... But you wrote, it was the most promising car that I was looking for. Did you drive up there? Did you get a price before? I mean, did you negotiate before you went or no. just you saw it online? I to drive the car, the car first. Well, I guess that's what – if I want to do it, I guess that's what I'm going to have to do, just get my butt in a seat and go I'm see I'm not going to buy it online. I'm going to drive it first. Uh, absolutely. Now, when I bought my used uh, Ranger pickup truck, we had everything set before I went up there. I didn't buy it before I drove it, but basically it was new. You know, it was only a couple of years old, so it, sure. I knew it was going to be in pretty good shape. The other thing, though, that I do find a big plus is that some the reputable dealers all have some kind of a title search that you can get into for free. So you know pretty much before you mm-hmm. go up, uh, check, whether it's a one-owner or whatever, yeah, check the Carfax. And when they don't have that, I think that's a red flag. Mm-hmm. Well, that was mine. They give Anybody a chance to think of anything else? That covers it for me. I'm I'm sitting happy. All right. <laughs> We're going to close out our Motor Week podcast number 164. <laughs> I want to thank Dave Scrivener, Ben Davis, Greg Carlos, Joe Ligo. I'd also like to talk, uh, thank the folks that you don't necessarily hear uh, when we do one of these. One is audio engineer Jim Bigwood, who makes sure what you do hear sounds uh, clear. I won't say intelligent. That's kind of up to us. <laughs> and our podcast. Cast creator Bob Mixter. Uh, everybody out there, if you're not familiar with Motor Week, shame on you, but you can catch the video version of it uh, on public television stations around the country. Go to our website, motorweek.org, for all the listings. And also every week, several times a week, but uh, premiering every Tuesday night on the Velocity Cable Channel. I'm John Davis. For all of us at Motor Week, thanks for being with us for 36 seasons. We're looking forward to 37, and we'll talk to you and see you next time. You've been listening to the podcast of Motor Week, television's original automotive magazine. Motor Week is made possible by TireRack.com, RockAuto.com, State Farm, and WeatherTech. For additional information on podcasts, videos, and showtimes, visit our website at motorweek.org. And watch Motor Week, television's longest-running automotive magazine series, each week on your local PBS station.